Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Um, we've, been, we've been kicking off really a bit of a series last week talking about rhythms. I was uh, at TSU last night and we had a meeting and uh, talking to some of the students there. One of the things that uh, one of the students was voicing because I asked a question about like, wh- where, why is there like a rub right now on this campus with what God wants to do and what's like actually happening? Where's the gap? And we, we, we had this great discussion. They're, they're all sharing just kind of their perspective, their experiences with the campus culture and different things. And one of the kids spoke up and said, you know, I, I, it's almost like people, um, they, they know some things, but they, they've never done them. It's, it's, and and, and I, the more he started to describe it, it's like I saw this picture of a, of a, of a gym. Anybody ever darken the doors of a gym, gymnasium? You go into like a weight room, I don't know, a Planet Fitness or uh, one of these places that uh, they will allow you to come in. And if you go in for the first time, it's pretty intimidating. I mean, it looks like everybody knows exactly what to do. And they run over, you know, somebody's going to go and get on the treadmill. Some people go and pick up these heavy weights and grunt and make all these noises. Other people get on these machines. It looks like, you know, you can't quite figure out what to do. And it's like I got this picture for, for what they were talking about of, of these young people, except they were stepping into a weight room that they didn't know what to do in there. They had all the pieces. They had the right equipment. They even had the know-how that, I, you know what, I need to go in here and I need to do something to work out. But they didn't know what to do. And they had no one that had actually shown them, not just that they should do it, but how do I actually do it. And, and we started laughing because I started thinking of all the viral moments I've seen. Of people videoing people in the weight room, making up their own exercises. Just, you know picking up a little thing and throw it down. And I started thinking, and again, connecting it to some of the things we're talking about is it's, it's very easy in the Christian faith to be around all the cultural artifacts of Christianity. Yet when it comes to our day-to-day, week-to-week practice, there's something missing. I'll say it differently. Most of the Christians that I know they know way more than they do. And so the gap is not knowledge, the gap is actually the action to go with the knowledge. And, and that's what really this series is about. Pastor Bryson kicked it off wonderfully and, and Pastor Dave set it up so marvelously, just that idea that, you know what, it's not the huge things. God's not gonna ask you to like, um, from, from this series, we're not, we're not asking for everything, he's probably just gonna ask for one thing. That was my message last night to students. You know, one thing can be everything. When Jesus looked at one young, rich ruler, he said, you know, there's only one thing you're lacking. And that one thing meant everything of him actually experiencing the life that, that, that Jesus had in mind for him. And I believe for all of us tonight, that's the same thing. There's only one thing that Jesus is trying to stick his finger on and say, you know what, if, if you'll adjust here, like he said, chiropractically, if you just move one, it's amazing how one bone 
One pinky finger, one, one little pinky toe, you, you injure it. Man, that one thing can make or break everything. And I believe tonight, uh, some of the passages we'll look at, we, um, we're hoping to get that finger put on that one thing so that God can adjust us to, to the, the real thing that he wants us to be a part of. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read some, some verses here about prayer because we want to create a rhythm of prayer in this church and in our lives. Amen? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew. I'm going to start, I'm going to read verse 1 and then I'm going to skip down to 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Skip down verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, Jesus is... um, we're catching him kind of the very middle of what's known famously as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus had, had, had this uh, moment where he's beginning to gather a crowd and he's gathering people to himself and he's, he's trying to get them to enter into a new way of living. He didn't just show up just to kind of, uh, you know, feed everybody and, and put smiles on everybody's faces and, you know, do selfies. I mean, he could have done a lot of different things encompassed a lot of other purposes maybe that we would want him to if he showed up now. But one of the things that he was serious about, that he was, he was devoted to, was, was making sure that people understood that he was coming to establish a new way of living. A new, again, to go along with our series, a new rhythm. You think about rhythm, and I think about um, one of the first things I was made to do as a kid was to go to piano lessons. Anybody ever had to, had to learn an instrument you did not want to learn? Okay, did anybody play the recorder growing up? I, I don't know if that's just, okay. I don't, I, that is like the biggest money scheme to ever hit American soil. Everybody buy a recorder at some age. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, you, you play an instrument, and, and I don't care what instrument it is. It could be this piano. I remember when I learned how to play piano, it was like there was a, uh, a, a particular way you hold your hand, and, you, and you, you know, here's the C, and C was almost like home base. Just like on our keyboards, we have like home keys that have the little mark on them. And this is where your hand is supposed to start. In many ways, I I believe Jesus is trying through this passage and even through the Sermon on the Mount as as a whole is to say, hey, here's home base. For the the way and the people that I'm trying to raise up and and develop and grow and and, and, and transform from the inside out, I want them to have this as their home base, the home place, where they set their, their rest their life. This is the, the, the rhythm key, so to speak, that, that everybody will be in tune with. 
And this is what he says. He says, part of that, he goes into, in, in Matthew 6, he says, man, part of it's giving, part of it's praying, part of it's fasting. We're just talking about praying tonight. And here's the thing about prayer. He seems to think it's something that everybody's going to do. He seems to think this isn't something that one day, when I get a chance, yeah, if I remember to do that, it's, it's almost the opposite. It's like, hey, when you pray, let me, let me tell you, you're going to be praying. I don't care what's, what kind of person you are, where you live, what side of the tracks you're from, you will have opportunity to talk to God and you'll want to do it. And this prayer, he says, when you pray, he says, uh, he, he goes back and forth. He says, there's some things you shouldn't do and there's some things you should do. You know, some people say Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. Oh, well, keep reading what Jesus says. There's some things we should not do and there's some things that we should do. Tonight, I'm going to talk real quick about the things that he says to not do. And I'm not, you know, usually I hear a sermon on this, this passage. We talk about how to pray as if prayer is a, uh, a series of uh, four quick steps to better prayers that will always get answered. I mean, that sounds like that'll sell a lot of books right there. You know, it's just. The five spiritual ways to better connect with God and get everything you want in 30 seconds. You know, it's like that. I feel like an infomercial already, but that's not all. And, and, you know, if you're just doing these installments, and this is kind of the way that we've all been trained to kind of hear this passage. As if these are um, static things. If I check them off the box, my prayer life will be amazing. And I'm here to tell you there is an outline here. I, you know, the, our Father, this prayer, uh, people call it uh, the Lord's Prayer. Actually, he's saying, no, this is the disciples' prayer. This is something that you're supposed to pray if you're following me. It is a great outline. It helped my prayer life to understand, man, this was a way and a flow to, to connect with God and some things to talk about with him as I connect with him. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about not how to pray, not just where to pray, but the type of people you should be to pray. Look at what Jesus says first. He says, don't be like, what does your version say? Verse five, do not be like what? The hypocrites. Now, if, if there is one charge that our culture has against Christians from people that aren't Christians, it's this word. In the Greek, it, it has to do with, um, the connection is with the, the Greek plays. And think Shakespeare now and Hamlet and all of these different, uh, again, things that my kids, you know, you probably read growing up as well. But it's this idea that, you know what, there was actors on the stage and back then they didn't have pyrotechnics and uh, CGI and special effects. And so people literally would, would put on a mask to play a character. And the word hypocrite is literally one who puts on a mask. And this is the first thing for Jesus to begin to talk about with prayer, because it said it, it starts in prayer, our true selves. You see, uh, who we really are is, is to be shown in prayer. And Jesus says, listen, when you pray, don't be like one who puts on a mask. Don't be like one who has to hide something from God. I, I love Pastor Rice. He always tells this story about a guy he prayed for down front that had a nice smell on his breath of a substance that he had been taking. And Pastor Rice, just like any other human could smell that this person had been partaking of a certain beverage. And he said, oh, Lord, I pray for this drunk. And he's, the guy kind of looked up from the prayer and said, oh, don't, don't tell him I'm drunk. 
Tell, tell him I'm just, you know, I, I just had a bad day or something. You know, he kind of fills in the blank. We just don't, let's not start there. Let's start with the good stuff first. You know, kind of let's, let's back into that. And again, the God's encouragement to us tonight is to be a people who don't wear masks with him. He knows. He sees. He understands. He, he comprehends everything that you're thinking, everything that you know. He knows more than it. He, he doesn't need, prayer is not information to him. It's again, it's a chance to be um, transparent with him. It's a chance to verbalize what's really going on in the inside. It's a chance for us to, uh, as, as kind of my first point really is, hypocrites, they love to pray, but they pray for their own gain. See, part of the mask is thinking that, you know what, I'm going to be seen for my prayers by others. And I'm going to gain something from that. Jesus says, listen, no, 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 you, you, you already got your reward. They saw you. For the, for, the, for the synagogues back then, it was, it was normal to stand and to pray, and so that, that's not the awkward part. The awkward part is that they were standing, the hypocrites, they would stand up and they would pray and they would think they did something because people were looking at them. Because they were articulate. Because they said the right things at the right time in the right way, and surely God must, has to like me now. They thought that they were gaining from their prayers. And yet, God's perspective and God's view on this is that, you know what, that's not the starting point. That's not the type of people we should be. We should not love to pray for our own gain to be seen. The second thing he says don't do is he says, and I skip down to verse seven, he says, do not pray uh, to, and keep, keep on babbling like the pagans. The, the pagans, uh, let me back up here for a second. Pagan just didn't mean someone who, um, had the wrong religion. Pagans, pagans, again, I think we skip over in the Bible because we don't really use that. There's a, there's a modern day version called paganism. But, but pagan was basically, it, 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 it comes from a whole philosophy, a whole way of thinking that if you can just systematize and uh, in, in a sense, A, B, C, and do the right things, then D, you'll get D. Paganism, it still shows up in the church because in a lot of ways, we think if we get all of the right notes right, if we get all the right points of, of uh, you know, entry point and, and we greet people and we sit people down in the right cushy seats and we do the right temperature of the air and we have the music volume up just loud enough, then God will show up. As if he's obligated because we did A, B, C, and D, then you'll get D. I'm sorry, A, B, and C, then you get D. You see, and, and, and that's what a pagan does. A pagan, is, uh, I think always of, of the idea of a shaman, a witch doctor. It, the, there, there's places all across the world where that's where spiritual power is found. Going to the local person who, ha, who will, that what, what they will give you back is a prescription. Do A, B, C, and you'll get D. And so people show up in the droves because everybody likes a God that they can control. Everybody likes a God that, you know what, if I do this, then I'll get this. I know the outcome, I'll get the outcome I want because I did this. And Jesus is being real clear up front, when you pray, that you're not to pray in such a way like the pagans. You're not praying to a God you can control. You're not praying to a God who you can tell what to do. 
You're not praying to a God who, who doesn't have his own will, own nature, and own uh, plan. We're praying to a God who sees and knows, and yet he's completely different from us. And so he's saying, listen, the pagans don't know that. That's why they use all the words they use. If I use 100 words, I'll get what I want. What about you? Are you at all, any of these two, are you, are you at all coming to God trying to hide something? Are you coming to church trying to, I mean, again, church is great for this. It's a great place to hide. You can get dressed up, smile real big, and say I'm fine for years. I always, I always laughed in, in the past. It might not be funny now, but man, I, I just know on Judgment Day, we're going to have a lot, a lot of us going to have a lot to talk about. God's going to be like, man, you, you were a big time liar. All those years, he's going to say, man, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, all those times you told people you were just fine. Everything's fine. I mean, that's, the, that's one of the top phrases in the church. Not just this church. But yet, here's God saying, no, 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 we don't start by coming to me, putting on a mask, and we don't start by you're in control. We start with the God who is. And that's what he says here lastly. He says, now, this is what you should do. He says several things. He says, um, when you do pray, verse six, he said, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. This is powerful. Jesus, Jesus' instructions on prayer is to actually, to get in touch with the invisible, you're going to have to get away from all this visible. You're going to have to also get away from those that are seeing you as visible. And you're going to have to get along with them. Prayer is, is, is about a people who are secure being alone with God. I forget the philosopher that said it is all of our problems are because man cannot sit alone by himself. God wants us to have, be a people who are secure in being alone just with him. For no other reason than that he's a God, invisible, yes, but he sees every single time. When we still away, when you're driving in your car, when you, when you turn aside from that boardroom meeting, when you, when, you, when you step out and go to the bathroom just to have that moment to pray, to gather yourself, to say, God, I don't know what to do right now, help me. When, you, when, you, when you're getting that phone call that you did not want, he, he loves it when his people turn aside and they pray. It makes the invisible real. It draws the invisible here, which we'll get to in just a second. It's powerful. He says, listen, you should go to the secret place. That's my question tonight. Where is your secret place? Do you have a rhythm and a place physically that you escape to? Where do you regularly meet with God? Where, do you, where have you carved out some space to close the door, so to speak, so that others aren't there? They're not watching you. They're not listening. You and God. For, for me, it's, it's, it's off in the car. I, I, I drop my kids off for school in the morning, and usually I have a good 15 to 20 minutes after I drop them off where I have, it's just me. <laughs> And I don't recommend driving with your eyes closed. But I will pray and I'll cry out to God. 
Some of you, it's the shower. Some of you, it's, again, maybe it's, it's a little extra time in your car before you get to work. Some of you, it's working from home and literally getting up uh, you know, early and going to find a place to, to sit on your patio, your deck. I don't know where your rhythms are, but, but my, my encouragement to you is begin to find a place that's secret. Begin to find a place in your schedule, in your calendar, in your day, where it's, it's you and God. You say, how long should I do it, Pastor? Pastor Devil, that's not the right question. Nowhere in here did Jesus say how long you should do this. He just said you should do it. He just said you should do it. And so to me, that it should be a regular rhythm. You should feel it when you don't have it. You should feel it when you're missing it. When and where will you meet with God? The next one he said that not just to do is to go to the secret place. Um, in verse six, he said that the cool thing he said he rewards you, but he says do. Uh, sorry, skip down to verse nine now. He said then this is how you should pray. These are the things you should do. He went from don't be like the hypocrites. Do go to your secret place and pray to your father who's unseen. He rewards you openly. And then he goes goes on in verse nine. He says then this is how you should pray. And look at what he says: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Notice it's the opposite of that pagan prayer. It's my will. It's your will. And your will be done. It's on earth as it is in heaven. This is why it is always okay to pray for somebody who's sick. It is always okay to pray for a broken situation. It is always okay to pray when hell is breaking out on earth. Why? Because we have been called to pray for heaven to come on earth and for it to be done here. You say, do we believe in healing? Yes, because there's nobody broken, sick, uh, with cancer, with disease, with, with, with a disability. There's none of that in heaven. Our calling is to pray on earth just as is in heaven. Another way of saying this is uh, followers of Christ should, should learn to love how to pray for God's gain, for him to be seen and for him to be in control in our own lives and the lives of all those around us. Prayer becomes now a offensive weapon, just as much as a defensive weapon. I love what Corey Timboon, she said, prayer should be our steering wheel, not our spare tire. Prayer should be our steering wheel, not our spare tire. And I, I think it, man, it should be both. We should pray before it happens, we should pray in the middle, of, we should pray at the end. Again, look at the rest of this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. I don't even have the bread yet. Lord, I need the bread the rest of today. I need what's for today. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's in the past. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. These are powerful prayers. These aren't just magical uh, abracadabra words. These, These are ways for us to connect with God. These were ways for us to, again, be the followers of Christ who love to pray and see God's gain. There's some people they love to pray to try to gain for themselves. Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing the very first step of prayer. The first key. It is to be people who love for God to gain a hold of them. To gain a hold of this world. You say, man, I know he's God of the whole world. Yes, he is. He's asked us to. Any place we see a marker where heaven is not at, we're supposed to be. We're, we're, that's why we're here. 
Last question, and we're closing here. What is Jesus Christ doing right now? Does anybody know? What is Jesus doing right now? I'm not talking about all over the world and all over people. What does the Bible say that Jesus is doing right now? Any? You can speak back. Praying, interceding, yes. The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Some of you, prayer, I'm talking about a rhythm, a regular, consistent uh, pattern, uh, a default, let's say, for your life. This is not it. And this has helped me. So I'm helping those that are just starting out in prayer, helping those online. This is your first baby steps. It's very good news to know we have a Savior that for the last 2,000 years, all he's been doing is praying for you. All he's been doing is praying for the whole world. All he's been doing is interceding, standing in the gap. I don't understand how all this works. I would do it differently. I would just magic wand, whoop, whoop, do all kinds of things. I mean, that's why God said, nope, you're not the savior of the world. But God's way is that prayer is still going on in heaven because there's some things undone. And if the son of God can pray, wouldn't it make sense if his followers get, get just a glimpse of listening every now and then on what, what their great Savior and Lord is, is praying for today? What's on his heart? Who he, he, is, he is passionately crying out day and night that he doesn't want this one to stay lost. He doesn't want this one to, to ruin their life, destroy others' lives. Wouldn't that make sense? You see, when I, when I understood that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, suddenly prayer wasn't this big laborious thing that I had to do. It was something I got to do. Why? Because Jesus knows his followers would love prayer because it was all about the gain of heaven. Let's pray as, as we, we close here tonight. You, here, we'll take out a sheet here. All right, I want you to hold this sheet as we, as we turn to prayer. Again, here you'll see there was a place for notes, but for this week, the challenge is what needs to come into your week or each day? And the question tonight is about prayer. How can you intentionally include prayer in your week? I'm, I'm a big fan of integration. How can you, what you're already doing, bring prayer into it? That's my challenge tonight. Lord, thank you so much. As we're staring at these cards, as we're considering what you're saying to us, Lord, I know you're doing a great work all throughout this community, but I can only imagine the great things that you want to do as we pray and partner with you. For some reason, Lord, you've left some things for us still to do. You could have done it all. Some of us tonight, you just need to know the Lord has been praying for you. He's been praying to bring you to moments like this of, of revelation, of understanding, of, uh, of movement. Moving out, some of you, you, you know, your prayer life has been stale. You know, one way of thinking about the spiritual life is the thermometer for our, our spiritual life is our prayer life. The thermometer of our prayers, the, the intensity, the, the focus, the fervency. And as some, some of us here, you know, this, this is a wake-up call. This is a, uh, a bit of a shot in the arm. Some of us, this is first steps, first time thinking, hearing about some of this. 
But let me tell you, God's not looking for great prayers. He's just looking for prayers. Those who would stand with him. Those who would agree with heaven. Those who would invite his name into every situation, every circumstance. That would trust him to show up. Lord, thank you that you want to create a rhythm. Not just a Sunday service of prayer, not just a prayer meeting that is every so often, but Lord, you want to create a rhythm in our lives, space for us to talk to you, for us to listen to you, for us to take our mask off before you, for us to stop controlling you, for us to love you better and receive more of your love. Thank you, Jesus that you've shown us the way. Thank you that you prayed and you continue to pray that we might enter into everything that you died for us. Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the answers that are coming to our prayers. The big and small ways you're, you're going to show up as we begin to pray in new ways. As we add and multiply our prayer life. Lord, I pray for amazing stories to flood in. Lord, not because I'm good, not because this church is great, but Lord, simply because you're the great God who hears in the secret place. Lord, will you reward your children? Will you continue to show up and show out and let us all worship you more? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.